You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. After hours of fruitless scouring of woods and pasture lands, searchers for Jenny Beam, two-year-old daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Charles Beam, who disappeared mysteriously from her father's home near Dryville Tuesday morning, gave up their two-day search. Side. 
On the porch of a little home at Dryville stands Mrs. Charles M. Beam, waiting for news of her two-year-old child, Jenny, lost since Tuesday morning. Out in the fields, along the roads, through the woods, the men of the neighborhood, officers of the county and state, alert Boy Scouts, are beating every possible place for the lost one. Their voices echoed through the gathering shadows last evening as they had resounded through the day. But Mrs. Beam can only wait for their news. She has waited for three days. While her arms hunger for the clasp of the little one, she goes about her tasks, caring for the other two children, sisters of Jenny. The men toil across the countryside until weary. She waits. So it has been... So it is now, it has ever been woman's lot to wait. The red blight of war sweeps across the world. From each nook and corner of the nation, the Moloch of battle calls his chosen victims. Urged on by bugle sound and drum throb, they trudge their way into the trenches to be fed into the hungry maw of the war god. Amid the shrieking shells or slow creeping gas, they act their part in the terrible drama Behind them the plaudits of crowds as they march away, before them the glory of noble death. Yet war has invented no deadlier poison, no more frightful weapon than the slow, frightening gasp on the heart of the woman, the mother, the wife, the sweetheart, who waits at home. There is a tale from the book that is full of tales of waiting, of the shepherd who left his flock of ninety and nine to search for the one that was lost. A tale of a shepherd who allowed neither rest nor hunger to stop him until he found the lost sheep. A tale of a shepherd who could not rest in peace with the sheep who were safe, but set out to find that other one. Here, enacted within our own field of life, is the tale of the mother who cannot go to seek that which is lost, her own child, but must stand and wait. The tragedy of life does not ascend to its climax in the list of those slain in battle, nor in the tale of those cut off by some mighty catastrophe. It reaches its height in drab, grim scene of the woman who waits. Come, ye painters, and catch the agony of a mother's eyes as she waits for news of a loved one. Halt, ye poets, and describe the dull pain that wrings a mother's heart while she stands waiting. Tell these in ward or stroke brush if you can. Jenny Beam was born on the 19th of September, 1923. She was last seen on the morning of July 28, 1925. This is her story. Welcome to the Broken Circle. Don't forget me, little darling. When from you I'm far away But remember little darling So we have been living with a story Since the summertime Since the summertime And you came upon this in, a, in an interesting pen, way Yeah, for my pen pal She just texted me in the middle of the day one day and said that she had a memorial card on eBay and somebody wrote to her and said, the little girl in that memorial card was part of an unsolved murder. And so she immediately 
pulled the listing and she said, see if you can find anything out about it. So I started looking and quickly became obsessed with the story. It's very compelling. It has a lot of twists and turns and attendance stories and all which kind of became apparent really quickly. And I know the burning question right now mm-hmm. for everyone is, people still have pen pals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost hard for me to interview because I know so much of the story. So I'm trying to put myself in the position of someone who, who hasn't heard anything about it. So we can lay the groundwork because mm-hmm. we're going to be telling the story over multiple episodes. At this point, we don't even know how many episodes this is going to be. Yeah, and I hope to find out more. We know mm-hmm. it's going to be more than one episode. Mm-hmm. We know that. We know it's probably going to be three. It could be more than three. We're thinking at least three regular episodes and a patron episode. Yeah, because I think the, the things that, particularly with the patron episode, where you discuss some of the more the coincidences with her disappearance and the missing four the missing four one one kind of stuff, which I'm yeah I'm going to get I'm going to get into the more potentially paranormal elements of it, which don't really they're fun conjecture I think yeah. on my part I don't say that that isn't a respectful response to it, but I I mean she still has relatives that are alive, including I believe a a brother who's still alive, and I want to be as respectful as possible. Sure and. And we can say going into this that this is unsolved. Yeah. Her, her, her death is unsolved. But here's the other part of it. This happened in a town of about four, less than 400 people, all of whom are related to another, <laughs> like, like a lot of small Pennsylvania Dutch towns. Right. This happened in the 1920s. This happened at a time before someone could easily spirit someone away very far away and i just believe there are people that know what happened to her do you know if on the record books it is considered a murder her case it's considered an unsolved crime an unsolved crime i believe so this took place in a little town called dryville dryville which is in berks county yeah it's it's above redding in between redding and allentown in a rural area Heck of a drive for us. Yeah, it was a little longer than I thought by about <laughs> twice. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh yeah, the area is, is it's stunningly beautiful. And we mentioned this, you know, so you might hear us say this again on the when we play the the on site recordings, but it's not at all what I thought it would look like in my head no, because again yeah. we've been discussing this between ourselves. Yeah, for just months imagining now. like what the possibility, like what it would, what it would look like, and she. She disappeared from her family home in a very short period of time. Her sisters who were with her, they didn't really have any clues as to where she was. The dog that was her, that said their faithful companion that was with the girls all the time, couldn't find where she went. It was like she literally just vanished. The, right. the last person to see her was another little girl who was the niece of a neighboring farm. Okay. And she was only five years old herself. Wow. She was the last person to see her in a car. Wow. Driving by. So your pen pal texts you to mm-hmm. get back to, to how you discovered this. Mm-hmm. Or was it a text? 
Yeah, over Instagram. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So an Instagram <laughs> message and says, I had this funeral card and it was a murder. Yeah. And did you immediately look it up? You just immediately. Yeah, I just, I was already looking stuff up. It just happened to be a day I had off. So I just was like, well, let's see if we can find anything out about it. And the story started to pop up because. And there were multiple articles that just came up. Yeah. Right like from the Tuesday that she was missing till the Sunday when her body was found, it was a daily event. So we can actually hear from Josefa, your pen pal. I have the first email that I received from that woman, so I will definitely read that in the interview. So basically, July 20th, 2018, I received an email on eBay from an unknown eBay seller. And she said, sad case of this little girl. She was found murdered in a cornfield and the killer was never found. This is rather an interesting item to be selling. We actually start corresponding after that email because I was a little bit shocked. I actually took the listing out. (laughs) And then she sent me a link of the article that she had found. And then that's how it happened. That's how I found out who Jenny was. Do you think she knew about the case somehow before? Or do you think she looked it up because she saw your listing? From what I gathered, my correspondence with this eBay seller is she does a lot of research for, what's that site called? The Grave? Oh, Find a Grave, maybe. Yes, Find a Grave. There we go. And... I noticed that the link she had sent me, her name was in one of the, when people list, put information for the grave site, they put their name. So it it matched up. So I figured, okay, this is the same person, if that makes any sense. Oh, okay. So do you think she was actively looking for things that might come up under that girl's name? Like, I, I think she's a pretty advocate on finding information linking to the find a grave site. Oh, okay. So, I mean, she just does that as a volunteer. I think she goes to the cemeteries and takes photos of plots and puts them on the site. Yeah. Trying to link historical information with the um, site. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. I mean, it's amazing to, to, to think that somebody would have known anything about it or have taken the time to look just, you know, like without having any background what? information about it. Yeah. And what's really weird is that I had just listed it. So I was really surprised that someone that like quickly was able to respond. Like I got an email that quickly after listing it. Maybe she had a search like ready in case somebody put it up. I think so. It's curious. It was really cool to talk to her. (laughs) Yeah. Why, why wouldn't she have bought it? I'm not sure. I never asked. I did take the listing off. I had three other funeral cards that I had listed around that same time. And she did upload one of the funeral cards to find a grave. And Uh she didn't buy that one. Were they purchased at the same time as the one of Jenny's? So when I went to my local flea market that I like going to, I went there hoping to find paper from my art collage and uh, I was having like the worst luck that day and the gentleman had a box like kind of, you know, in a corner and he's like, oh yeah, I have that box there. I was like, okay, it's my last box. I'll 
give it a try and look. And sure enough, there was like these stacks of funeral cards inside of a white envelope with some photos. And I was like, okay, I like the cards and I like the envelope. That's why I got them, not because I was, I'm not a big fan of funeral cards. So I did, I took them and I started to do some research and I didn't find anything. So I was like, yeah, I'll just list a few on eBay, maybe make back my money Mm -hmm. and then keep the other cards for my collage. And that's how it happened. That's how I found out who. And the weird thing is that I didn't even look up at Jenny. I looked at the other names. Oh, like, and I think when we looked them up, they're somehow related all to the same family. I think so. So the sender, I I mean, I I know I mailed you the card to you, but it's the same sender. Oh, the other cards. All the funeral cards. And they were all in 1920, but I was like, a lot of people passed away around this time. Yeah, so, it, it, a lot of kids. Like this too. guy was busy going to funerals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really by, weird. by invitation only. <laughs> <laughs> Although from the picture, so, um, it looks like probably everyone in the entire town was at the funeral. Yeah, from that photo that you sent me. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than the information that you passed on to me, I mean, there was that photo that I sold around that same time, which is three men standing in the field and one looked like a detective. I mean, he was wearing a suit and the other two guys were kind of in farm wearing like overall typical farm wear. I wonder if there, I think three boys found her at the same time, roughly the same. Mm -hmm. Like one boy found her, but I think they were in a group of three. And in the newspaper, I think there are three, three boys, like young teenagers that found her. And I wonder if that's oh. who they are. It's hard to see in the newspaper article. It's not super clear, but it definitely has the look of one of the fields we were at when we went up to see where she was from. It looks like one of the hills uh-huh. where we were. So the photo that I had sold, which kind of bumped now, it was two older, well, they were all older men. And one was wearing a suit. Oh, okay. Um, so and they maybe- were standing. And that photo was in that same box. I should have just got the whole box. I don't know why I did. And, you know, it's so funny because after all that, I went back to look for the box. But it was already gone. I mean, it was probably shuffled with the other stuff. Yeah, and it's the kind yeah. of thing where I think about that all the time. Like, what is it that we're missing that when we leave a box somewhere? Like, what mystery, what other mystery are we potentially missing? Exactly. So... <laughs> I'm a little bummed, but I mean, you don't know these things until afterwards, obviously. Oh, yeah. We found so much stuff about Jenny now that I think it'll be, uh, maybe we can even figure out what happened, hopefully. I mean, I definitely give props to the eBay seller for reaching out because that's, first of all, that's never happened to me, someone actually reaching out and giving me historical information about an item that I'm putting for sale. So. Yeah. Usually it's um, only people that want, want it for less money or they want to correct you when you're listing. Like <laughs> they want to yeah. pick what you've written <laughs> or it's never usually like, like a you just misspell the name. Yeah. <laughs> or you have the wrong dog breed. Yeah. I get that a lot. I have yeah. the wrong dog breed and people yell at me. That's why I was so surprised when that woman just reached out to me and, you know, told me about the, of the funeral card. Yeah, that's that's and shocking because most people don't tell you information that would be helpful at all. 
Oh, of course. I mean, something like that, that's pretty amazing. And she was really nice. If I were to reply back to her, I would, I would love for her to like hear this conversation. Yeah. Because <laughs> for her to just go out of her way, that's pretty nice. You don't get that very often, especially on eBay. No, and I think so, so many people are touched by, I mean, even though it happened, you know, over 90 years ago, it's still something mm-hmm. that I'd love to have some justice for Jenny. I know, justice for Jenny. That's a really good shirt right there, yeah. justice for Jenny. <laughs> I'm very curious to hear what you find about Jenny. I think it would be very interesting to yeah, know no. where you went with all this. I'm very, very impressed. That's why I had to pass the card to you. I think you deserve for all the effort you made well, I in feel finding like all that information. Maybe now that it's here, it'll help us find more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's, I, so, it's just so tragic too, you know, to when I really was not expecting an email like that. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, because you I see mean, all that these was other like a shocker. Things, like you see, like in when you look up death certificates, it's usually like kids die of like pneumonia or you know some common ailment diphtheria or something Mm -hmm. but you hardly ever see something like that and even like on her death certificate I don't think it says like I've seen some before that say murdered but hers just just gives like some of the details it doesn't say she was Mm. but it's I think it the common thought of everyone in the town and her family was that something bad had happened to her and it wasn't an accident I can't yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I don't want to go into, like, ghost or anything, but isn't it weird how I found that box and it was, like, the last box that I decided to pick on and how this woman, I don't know where in the world, she decided to, like, email me. I, I always find those things kind of creepy. <laughs> Thank you, Josefa, for joining us on Strange Familiars. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be part of the podcast and discuss about Miss Jenny. So what was the first article you you pulled up when you started looking? I think it said something to the effect of like missing tot in Dryville or something like that. And the first suspicion of who what might have happened to her was gypsies. You know, when in doubt go with the right. <laughs> the immigrant population or the <laughs> and there was a gypsy camp nearby yeah in the area called bowers which we drove by we did go there and there's still nothing in the field where the gypsies were yeah were, we said there's probably like some local thing like oh you can't plant anything in that field because that's where the gypsies used to camp <laughs> yeah i mean that that would be the kind of thing that lingered around here yeah <laughs> And I wonder, too, if they really were Romani or gypsy people or if they were just like a band of Irish people or if they truly were. Yeah, I mean, they could have just been itinerant people of some sort. Yeah, that they didn't. Just, they just become gypsies them, yeah. because, because you're not Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah, you're just other. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, like knowing so much in hindsight, of even laymen know now who is the most likely suspects in these kind of cases. Right. You know, and... Gypsies are not usually the most likely suspects. But that was the threat in the day. It was always the gypsies will come and take you away if you're bad. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, I think even probably our grandparents were told that, you know. Oh, yeah. The lady I used to babysit for, she told me that if the kids got out of line, I should tell them that the gypsies were going to come and take them away. (laughs) Wow. What is the world's best coffee? 
Many believe that it comes from a small region on Hawaii Island, Kona, Hawaii. Kona coffee is grown at high elevations on two volcanoes, ideal conditions for spectacular gourmet coffee. Mountain Thunder Coffee Plantation, online at mountainthunder.com, is where to find the finest in 100% Kona coffee. For a limited time, we're offering 10% off current and future orders and two free ceramic mugs when you join our coffee club. Again, that's mountainthunder.com. Aloha. The first article you brought up, what was that the first article? Was that the... Uh, no, I think they were a little out of order. Okay, so they were kind of out of order. So I had to go back and find them chronologically. I mean, the sad thing is I knew from the get-go because it was a memorial card that it wasn't going to end well. The search wasn't going right, to end. Right, that's the thing. We, we yeah. knew from the start it's it's a sad story. I mean, yeah. So let's go ahead and hear the article from the first day where she went missing. Scour hills in vain for lost child. Kidnapping theory grows as two-day search for Jenny Beam, too, fails. After hours of fruitless scouring of woods and pasturelands, searchers for Jenny Beam, two-year-old daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Charles Beam, who disappeared mysteriously from her father's home near Dryville Tuesday morning, gave up their two-day search at 10.30 o'clock last night to rest until dawn, when they will begin anew reinforced by state police and troops of Reading Boy Scouts. The child disappeared suddenly about 10 o'clock Tuesday morning while playing near a cornfield where her parents were working. The alarm was given when Mr. and Mrs. Beam returned to their home at 11 o'clock and could not find Jenny. A dog, Jenny's almost constant companion, could not trace the missing child and a search was organized. Neighbors at first feared a kidnapping, but the theory was abandoned when the searchers began to comb the surrounding hills. Last night, however, the kidnapping theory began to gain credence again as the little groups of men drifted back with their tales of lost effort. More than 100 farmers and residents of Dryville formed into little bands and searched nearly all Tuesday night, their torches lighting the way through the woods and pasturelands where Jenny might have been trapped in heavy underbrush. All day yesterday and last night, the men continued their search, penetrating each woodland and brush patch and examining creek beds. There are no dams nor ponds near Dryville. County Detective Charles Tully was asked yesterday to help hunt for Jenny. He arranged for troops of Boy Scouts to aid the weary searchers when the combing of the countryside begins this morning. Tully and Oliver F. Fryer, assistant scout executive, will lead the search. State police last night were told of the girl's disappearance and were asked to investigate a gypsy camp near Bowers. Mr. and Mrs. Beam cannot remember having seen any automobiles stop near the farmhouse Tuesday morning. Neither can Jenny's two sisters, six and four years old, remember anything unusual. However, the Beam family believes that if Jenny were kidnapped, the kidnapper might have taken her away in a wagon. Numerous teams and wagons passed the farm the morning she disappeared, the Beams said. The Beams, while in moderate circumstances, are not wealthy and cannot believe that the child could have been kidnapped for ransom. Neither do they think she might have been taken for motives of revenge. 
Jenny will be two years old in September. She has light hair and was wearing dark clothes and a sunbonnet when she disappeared. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So I guess paramount in all of these articles is the sort of mystery. This is a small community. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, I mean, foul play almost has to go into it because of the exhaustive search for her, the amount of people that knew that she was missing. Apparently everyone in that small area got together, hundreds of people got together to look for her in the swamps, in the, in the cornfields. Right, and, the and well. having been there, that it is a swamp. It's a, it's a swampy area. We found the swamp they were talking mm-hmm. about. But it's not huge. It's not. We're not talking like Louisiana with like hundreds of miles of swamp here. It's it's yeah. a few acres of swamp. Yeah. Yeah, horrible place for a kid to go missing. I mean, and you know, absolutely, but not impossible to search when you have hundreds of people searching. Yeah, and there's also the fact that she wasn't even two. There's a limit. Right. A limit to how far. Yeah, that's an important thing to drive home. Yeah, like, she wasn't even eight years old or something like that. She so wasn't if, even two. Like, we've had kids, and anyone who's had kids knows what a toddler can do and how mm-hmm. far they can go. And, and how fast and, they can go. Exactly. But they tire easily, and they get worried, and they they want to find the comfort. And they would cry. They'd be loud. And, and this is mountainous terrain, too. This yeah. isn't... Like, the articles don't necessarily paint a picture of the terrain. Mm-hmm. It's mountainous. It's hilly. 
we're probably on the on a mountain at this point. Yeah, it's really high up. Like it, could, it was one of those places where you don't even realize like how high on a mountain you are until your ears are popping. And then we came over a ridge, and I saw the other parts. That I was like, we're on a mountain ridge here, basically. Yeah, and they talk about cornfields and swamps and stuff. And the picture you get is maybe this sort of flat sprawling area. almost midwestern in my mind right kind of, but it's but not it's like not, that it's, it's just sort of these little enclaves of a few houses here and there yes. of a really tight-knit community and this is the 20s so they said they basically knew every car that was going by and it was still a time of wagons going by right the road probably wasn't even paved right? oh no yeah uh-uh. I, mean, I mean it's barely paved now yeah yeah so this isn't comfortable terrain for a toddler to be walking you know it's not like an easy straight shot where they can just Mm -hmm. go off into the landscape very easily there's woods and like we said there's swamp and like you're not going to make your way through that swamp she wouldn't have gotten that far because there's like all these sort of brambly things around i mean we went up in september this happened in late july so the corn would have been probably less high than it is now would have still been high enough to hide a child but there would have been all kinds of grown yeah, like, everything would have been thick and thickets and brambles and she wouldn't have made it that far into the forest like she just no. like, i just don't think a, a child would really venture that far in i know many of our listeners are, are just screaming in their head missing 411 missing 411 and i promise that we're gonna get to that i will do something on that it'll probably be the patron show we're not, i'm not ignoring that aspect of it mm-hmm. there's some weird stuff that goes along with this the fact that her dog couldn't find her and there was like it's literally like she disappeared like her parents were working on the farm her dad goes to work that day and the thought is that maybe she sort of sort of toddled down the road after her dad and right he was going to the neighbor's farm and so the first people to see her that morning is the little girl in the car and this is the thing that still is like i can't imagine culturally that the times were this different that you see a not quite two-year-old walking on the road and the first thing you do if you're a neighbor isn't scoop them up and take them back to their parents yeah and I, I i just can't imagine that that's changed that much that you just supposedly what happens is the uncle of this neighboring girl who's driving the car says to her you better get off the road says to jenny yeah says to jenny you better get off the road and she gets to the side of the road and they continue along their way and the little girl Emma sees her out the back of the window like the back window of the car and she's the last person to see her that's insane and Mm -hmm. I I think I mentioned this when we did the patron preview I was driving home recently and I saw a little toddler running down the sidewalk and I immediately pulled over Mm -hmm. because it was a toddler alone running down the sidewalk yeah. You know, and I'm getting ready to to kind of get out and stop this kid from running into the road and and maybe look for his parents and and I saw his mom come out of a door and and kind of start running after him. Uh-huh. But that was my reaction. You yeah. know, I saw a t- and I would say this kid was three. You know, yeah. Not this is. I mean, this is in essence a baby. Right. Yeah. It's amazing i mean i it was different times you know and yeah and in my mind and this isn't to blame the mother at all but i do wonder like i can't imagine having a baby that age where i didn't know where they were at every moment but that is a different time and she was with slightly older siblings well let's talk about jenny bean's family so she lived in a house in in a little farmhouse with her mother and her father yeah and at the time i guess two of her older sisters would have been born 
she ends up having quite a few siblings after her death. After her death. Her parents were, you know, would be considered young parents nowadays, but at the time were mm-hmm. probably average age for, for having parents. Yeah, she was pregnant. People have had kids young mm-hmm. and, and had a lot had of them. a lot of kids. And they had to work the farm. And and so that. they were in their 20s, right? Her I believe parents. so, yeah. Yeah. She has two older sisters. Not a lot older, but... Mm-hmm. But they were they were all playing together. It's hazy. It's hazy. It's just all of a sudden she was gone. Yeah. But there's a lot of unaccounted for time. Right. So I, I presume the mother was probably well, working or doing something else and thought that the, all the girls were together, which would be a natural presumption. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're not we're not here to blame her mother. No way. No. This it's, has nothing to do no, with that. No, I'm just no trying one. to imagine what happened in that time period. Sure. Sure. And uh, you know, no one ever deserves this or wants mm. this to happen to their children. Or anything like that. But when you say there's a lot of unaccounted for time, like, do we know how much, basically? Well, they think she was missing around 10 o'clock because they think that maybe she started down the road after her father okay. going to work. So and 10 a.m. Yeah. So around, I guess it's around 11 or so, Emma sees her. Then there's another report later about a 12-year-old boy who sees her along the road named Frank Geisinger. I don't know how much believability I have in that. I don't know if it's because it was such a popular story in that way. If he truly did see her or if he was someone who sort of wanted to be a part of the story. Right. So this would have been, locally it would have been huge. They said basically every resident of Dryville came to her funeral. Right. And my presumption is that probably included the person who knows what happened to her. Probably. I mean, that would be... You know, if you had to put averages on it, you know, that would probably be the case. First theory was gypsies. Then they ruled out the gypsies. They went, to, I guess they went and spoke to the gypsies at the camp. And gypsies hadn't seen her, didn't know anything about what happened. They probably to tore through everything the gypsies owned, to be Just honest. to look for something, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And failing that, it had to come up with a second theory. So one theory is that she just dies of exposure. Mm-hmm. And then another theory is that someone hit her and either went to try to get her help or was trying to cover up the fact that they hit her with their car with their car and just took her body that theory seems to gain a lot of traction how how quickly are these theories coming in is this in a matter of days yeah this all these theories are coming in before she's even found right and they're cycling through meanwhile the family thinks that something's happened to her sure in a more malicious way they know they're kids right yeah and you know your capabilities and in so many of these cases people are like there's no way my kid could have gotten that far yeah you know how far your kid would go or what their their temperament was yeah i mean there's some kids are really um sort of daredevils and will run away and then other kids stay right by their parents and they would know how far she would go right even if she was say she was following her dad down the road as soon as he was out of sight wouldn't she turn back the way she came to go back towards her mom or just sit there and cry or make some sort of sound? Yeah. So her grandparents in the paper are pretty adamant that a quote unquote fiend has done something with her. And when they ask the parents if there was any reason for them to suspect any sort of foul play or revenge, uh, they said to me something that seems sort of like, wouldn't that be something that you would answer? Oh, no, not at all. Or you'd come up with a name, right? 
Maybe, yeah. yeah it's, instead, they answer, I don't think so. I mean, maybe that's just leaving it open enough to yeah, say, I, I don't want to... I mean, I think maybe if you're in the days of this... You know, I don't know. Maybe somebody... Like, and yeah. then you're thinking of every possibility. Yeah, maybe know. you're just in such a panic where you just... You just I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see saying that. I don't know. Maybe somebody would. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. How many cars were on the road, though? You know, in the, in a rural area? Not that many, but, you know, I did find a lot of instances of people being hurt in accidents at this point or being hit along the road. Yeah, it's, it's I was... It's a time before any kind of doing, conventional... Doing research for a different story that I'm working on, I found... You think it's this old trope, like from the old movies, where you see a car, you know, the old-timey car gets stuck on the railroad track and the train's coming? That happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, more than you think. I saw articles featuring that multiple times. Like, yeah, that, that, I, yeah, that happened. Like, cars stalled on railroad tracks, and I guess, you know, people Yeah, were... I was doing research on um, just other children who died in the area about that time, and most of the time it's either, you know, your typical stillbirth, uh, pneumonia, or automobile accident. How quickly were people searching for Jenny? Right away. Within hours? I think the family wasn't by the next day when everyone read about it in the paper, and I guess the whole town knew about it. Then the Boy Scouts were brought in, and they searched in a very methodical way. Yeah, now they said hundreds, right? Hundreds yeah, of people. hundreds of people. And that was within 24 hours? I believe so, yeah. They say even today that that first twenty four hours is, you know, the sooner you can get people moving, mm-hmm. looking for missing people. Yeah, and especially with a, a baby. Yeah, but you those know. those first, you know, that that first day is extremely important. That first twenty four hours, especially at a time when people just couldn't move as fast. Like, so if you yeah. did take a child, and then people know about it, all of a sudden a child shows up in your area, right? It's curious because. They try to make it in the paper seem like they don't want to come out right and say these are poor rural farmers, but they want to make it known that there's no reason she would have been taken for ransom. So they try to they do try to say kind of frame it in a delicate way that there'd be no reason that somebody would take her for ransom because they just don't have the money to pay it, which is curious when you juxtapose it with what happened seven years later to the Lindbergh baby who was about the same age when he went missing and the amount of police presence. I mean, it basically bolstered the whole national search for missing children. They got the FBI involved. It was never like a national issue when a child went missing. Previous to that. Previous to the to the Lindbergh babies kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And it's just so different when I read about what happened to the Lindbergh baby. In the response The actual state of New Jersey put out a $25,000 reward. Oh, wow. They searched 1,500 hardware stores to see if the wood grain would match the grain of the ladder that was used to get to the second floor to get the baby. Yeah, there was some very specific kind of like somebody built a ladder, right? Yes, which is why the, they looked towards someone who might be a carpenter as a potential. Right. That but, And that was just how many years after? I think it's seven years later. Seven years And later. he's about the same age. He's not quite two. Right. It's a very similar story in a lot of ways where he just vanishes and lots of things, lots of missing time, lots of things that don't make sense. The Lindberghs were home at the time that it happened. They weren't supposed to be there. Which is, you know, it's probably a story unto itself. But it is, yeah. an, it is interesting to juxtapose the two cases. Yeah. But, I mean, that's... 
It's the way it is. Like, fame and money always get you more attention in America, right? Yeah. So this town of Dryville, we visited, and we set our GPS for Jerusalem Cemetery, which is where, where, Jenny's where Jenny's buried. We wanted to go see her grave, and we couldn't find it. We lost GPS, and then it came back, and it led us down this really creepy, overgrown private drive. Yeah, back to somebody's house with, like, the the torn shades. They're torn probably because of how fast they can get to the window and whip them open to see who's coming back the road. <laughs> That's what I always assume. Yeah, you, they're, they're either from a pit bull or from, like, a <laughs> somebody you, whipping back that shade well, to go, why to the hell are you... Shove that shotgun out quick. Yeah, exactly. It, it was de- and it was so rain. It was, like, so wet because we've had such a wet summer, yeah. and it was just muddy. I was like, please, just can we just get out of here without <laughs> getting stuck? Please. And what are we supposed to say? Like, what's our excuse? Oh, we were looking for the cemetery where a murdered child we're investigating for our podcast is. <laughs> that was odd. And then we, we did find another cemetery. And it seemed like maybe it was the right one because it's such a small area that you started recognizing names. Yeah, the first people we saw when we pulled up in the middle of it, I was like, oh, there are her grandparents. Oh, she has to be buried here. It's called New Jerusalem Cemetery, but this says Hope Cemetery, and I think we're in the right place. Well, they could have changed the name. Yeah. So we found a beam. This is this is her grandparents. So this grandparents, so we're looking for. And I know her tombstone has a lily on it. Invariably has to be somewhere around here. This place isn't that big. There's not like here's more. I imagine it would have to be somewhere right around in here. It's a really old one. Infant, nineteen hundred. This in nineteen twenties. Hmm. Having driven up here, so GPS gave out on us. We, yeah, they told us to go down some creepy guy's lane. Yeah, private drive. Yeah, <laughs> I believe I heard Deliverance music playing when we went back there. Um, I don't think we were going to have enough time to hear the whole song before something happened. <laughs> Where, it's got to be around here. I saw it on Find a Grave. It's just like a little. You've been telling me this story now for, what, two months? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, since the end of July, I think, is when I first heard about it. The area's beautiful. I mean, it's this mountain yeah. mountain town, and I imagined it much flatter. Like, Yeah, I imagine like people being able to comb in a really succinct manner, like square off and just put... But it's just ram- rolling hills. Rolling, rolling hills, yeah. yeah. And, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it does remind me of, you know, they say that the Pennsylvania Germans stayed in an area that looked like Germany. 
it totally looks like well, what I imagine Germany to look like. It's just rolling hills and greenery and trees and. So what size was her tombstone roughly? Uh, foot by a foot. I mean, it wasn't okay. inconsequential. It looked like these are here, but with a lily on it. And here's a 1920s. Yeah, that says William and Susan Bean. Mm -hmm. You could read it. Here's could you read it? Yeah, it was very legible. It looked it looked like this, but with two lilies on it. It looked like a very twenties kind of a. Okay, so more modern than like these yeah, that are broken. Yeah, it okay. Look, it looked more. It's like 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 um, like that size maybe. Okay. But with lilies on it, and then behind it, it looked like with her parents, who I assume would be buried near the grandparents. I guess these are all the dries for dry though. There's a butt. <laughs> <laughs> like a dry and then a butt? A dry butt. Which, you know, generally you want. Mm -hmm. It's actually legitimately cold today. This is yeah. like the first day I've felt cold in six months. Yeah. It's still entirely possible we're at the wrong spot. It's the wrong cemetery. Yeah. I just think it's odd that her grandparents would be here and she wouldn't be there. I think it's odd that you know her grandparents by name. <laughs> I understand that's what you do. But <laughs> I mean, where it led, where GPS before it gave out, where it was leading us, there does not seem to be any cemeteries. What are the chances? <laughs> I almost think it has to be I, like maybe this little road that went here that separated it wasn't there before, and so the plot kind of continues. Maybe if you want to, we can't find it here, just take a drive. And yeah. Out maybe. Yeah. Cover them down. Uh, we might have to ask somebody to make sure we're in the right spot. Yeah. Okay, so this... This looks newer, over here. Yeah, this Arthur Oswald, that's the, um... The uncle of the little girl who was the last person... Emma Cuts was the last person to see her. <laughs> so there's a lot of familiar everybody names. everybody else in the, in the whole area. <laughs> got no GPS or no dependable GPS. We found mm. one graveyard. We had seen a, a sort of a sign. For another church. For another church. So we backtracked and we went and, and we did find Jenny's grave. Cemetery number two. They're probably buried next to the people they live next to. Yeah, so here's the farm and the people they live next to. You gotta make sure you know who's new with <laughs> Forever. You don't want to take chances. Yeah, here she is. Oh, look at that. Oh, it's tiny. It is tiny. Oh, 
very sad. This, that's her sister. Where's her sister? Right there, but she didn't die till 2000. Oh, really? Yeah. Found rather quickly. Yeah, she's kind of all by herself here. She is. Well, kind of appropriate, or not appropriate, but... But she does precede all these people, and... Kind of indicative of... Well, it's like a tiny little stuff. I mean, it's just like just the size for a baby. It's very sad. It's, it's very sad. It actually affected me a little more than I thought it would. Finally. Yeah. And she is all alone. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> she's all alone and she died alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. Or not. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Huh. Yeah, it is interesting that they are. Uh, She's buried right next to her neighbors. Yeah, like you said. <laughs> they, probably, they probably live next to each other in, back in Germany, their families. Yeah. Huh. Well, this was easier to find than I thought. Yes. Okay. So. All right. We started at the end, I suppose. Yeah. Let's work our way back and see if we can figure out where she lived. All right. Yeah, I'm actually surprised by how hard that little... Like Tombstone hit me. Yeah. Dryville is a small town today. When you visit it, when you visit Dryville. There's what they call the Dryville Hotel, which is... It's like a bar restaurant kind of thing. It's yeah. kind of the one thing that's there, right? I mean... Yeah. There might be some other little shops or something around that, that we... A couple don't... churches. Some houses that look older. And then there's some, some newer construction, mm-hmm. too. I'm sure more people live there now than, than did in the 20s. But not a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a rural little town. I wouldn't mind living there. But I'm sure everyone knows each other now. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure back then, I don't think it's idyllic and and putting this sort of romantic sense in the past to to say that people did have more of a sense of community back then. They had to rely on each other. Right. They didn't have access to the wider world. So, of course, they would be more in tune with the people right around them. I mean, everybody went to church. Mm-hmm. Not always because they were religious. I think it was something to do, something to do, and a place to socialize. Mm-hmm. They would have all gone to the same churches, mm-hmm. presumably the same markets, wherever they did their shopping, or they would have sold their crops in the same area. Exactly. So everybody knew each. Yeah, when I was doing more of the research just on her family and the names that come up, people are married into other people with the same family names there's just a few it's one of those areas where there's like just a few family names and everyone's related to everybody else and they came from the same area of germany right yeah i think that's the other thing that reminded me so much about where we live is that it is one of these sort of like the german factor the pennsylvania dutch factor can't be overlooked here as well because that tends to be an even more tight-knit community right closed community yeah, they'd be suspicious of gypsies, but they'd be suspicious of Catholics. They'd be suspicious of yes, someone from New York State or New Jersey. Right, right. They would know if someone else was in town. If a random fiend was coming through, 
they'd have someone to point to. Yeah. The fact that no suspect was ever brought up is curious to me. Not a one. No. I mean, was it a kind of thing where people knew in closed ranks? Yeah. And just tried to forget about it? Because when when you see subsequent obituaries, including her mother and siblings as they grow older, her grandparents, unfortunately, she's not included. Do we know the population of Dryville at this time? I think it was less than 400. Less than 400. And yet, there seems to be quite a few strange things that are going on there as far as people disappearing. Yeah. It's, it's not even the first time it happened in their family. Believed missing tot carried away to hide accident. Police will commence statewide search today for motorists they think feared consequences. Dropping all other theories, state police this morning will concentrate their energies in a statewide search for a motorist they now believe carried away the body of 23-month-old Jenny Beam, missing Dryville child, after striking and either killing or seriously injuring her Tuesday morning. Fear of consequences would prompt such action, the police say. The search for Jenny Beam is now nearly 72 hours old. And no definite clue has been found. Jenny vanished within a ten-minute period Tuesday morning, just after her father left the farm and while her mother was in the fields. Search was begun at once, and last night a veritable army of men and boys were engaged in it. Police now scout the theory of kidnapping, pointing to the lack of a motive. They adopted the hit-and-run lead because the child was last seen standing in the middle of the road a mile from her home. She was warned off the highway by a neighbor who was forced to stop his machine to avoid striking her. A 36-hour search by the whole countryside, assisted by Boy Scouts from Reading and Cutstown, has failed to discover a single trace of the missing child. The woodlands and fields for miles surrounding the home have been combed, Absence of wells or streams into which the child could fall heightened the mystery of the child's disappearance yesterday. With the cries of the searchers calling the name of her daughter, Jenny, Jenny, in her ears, Mrs. Beam yesterday stayed at home, mothering the two remaining children of her family. Her first hysterical grief has given way to a dry-eyed passion of waiting. Until work or the wants of her children call her away, her place is on the porch of the little house, watching and waiting for word of Jenny's fate. Last night, the lanterns of searchers were like huge fireflies, and Mrs. Beam, from the porch, watched them with eyes dull with sorrow and pain, and waited on, her courage bolstered up by the encouragement of neighboring farmers' wives. A band of gypsies encamped near Bowers, upon whom suspicion fell, proved to be Berks County folk, who for years have been using the same camping site during the summer months, according to State Trooper Kane. After a thorough search for miles by neighbors, led by John Dry, aided by 27 Boy Scouts under Assistant Scout Executive Oliver Fryer, no clue had been found. Police settled down to the theory that the baby was struck and the body carried off in the automobile and hidden perhaps miles away. 
Little Emma Kutz of Lyons, now visiting at the farm of her grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. John Fenstermacher, two miles from the Beam home, gave the clue that Jenny had wandered along the roadside after leaving her parents working in a field near the Beam home. The Kutz child was in the automobile of Arthur Oswald, a son-in-law of Fenstermacher's. Oswald saw a child standing in the middle of the road. Close by were two letterboxes at the entrance to a small lane. Oswald stopped his machine and said to the child, Walk alongside of the road or you might get hit by an automobile. The Kutz child knew the youngster. Jenny obeyed and walked to the side of the road. Oswald drove on. The Kutz child turned and looked back, and Jenny Beam walked after the automobile. She was the last person, so far as police have learned, to see the missing child, and the only one to shed any light upon the possible direction of Jenny after she left her parents. It is believed the child continued to wander down the road until misfortune befell her. The roadway is a series of steep hills, sharp turns, and is lined with heavy foliage, which adds to the possibility of accident, according to state police. Beam left his home early Tuesday morning by automobile to go to the Fenstermacher farm. Jenny watched him leave, and it's believed followed the direction he took, bringing her to the point where the Kutz child and Oswald saw her. She had traveled the road before by automobile. She never strayed more than a hundred yards from home on foot before her disappearance Tuesday morning, according to her mother. A swamp about a mile from Beams was whipped several times yesterday and Wednesday evening. Boy Scouts, working in squads, cross-searched the spot without finding a single footprint or trail in the soggy patch. Cornfields were combed, briar patches were beaten, and woodlands covered. The kidnapping for ransom or spite theory, I believe, can be safely eliminated, State Trooper Kane said yesterday. There would be no motive for abducting. The child is of parents of very moderate means, eliminating the ransom idea. The family knows of no enemies. With as thorough a search as neighbors and Boy Scouts have made, it's almost impossible that the child could have wandered into the woods and dropped from exhaustion without having been found by this time, the officer said. Because the beam child was seen along the road, which is the shortest between Kutztown and Stony Creek, and is heavily traveled, it seems probable that a motorist struck her, and fearing that he had killed her, loaded her in his automobile and took her along to hide the body. It's even possible, Kane said, that the child was seriously injured and that the autoist intending to nurse her back to health took her along and obtained medical treatment for her without revealing the accident. This seems hardly likely, but we are not passing up any possible leads. We have already considered the possibility that a crazed fiend may have seen the child walking along the road alone and abducted her. For that reason, our men throughout the state have been instructed to keep more than an ordinary watch for automobiles containing children, answering the description of the beam child. With the disappearing of the beam baby, with the disappearance three years ago of Floyd Hollenbach, a neighbor's boy, visiting at the beam house. The boy had fled from an angry father and was taken in and remained with the beams about the farm as one of the family. 
Two years ago, the boy vanished during the night and has never been heard from. been listening to strange familiars if you like what we do and you'd like to help us make strange familiars please consider becoming a patron go to patreon.com slash strange familiars at three dollars a month you get extra shows we do full extra shows for our patrons at least one a month lately we've been doing two a month so if you want to get every episode of strange familiars go to patreon and become a patron There are lots of levels of support there. You can go in at other reward levels and get things like t-shirts, patches, stickers, and more. We just did a new Strange Familiars patch. It's a woven patch. I think it looks really good. The only help we get in producing the show is from our patrons. Without the patrons, Strange Familiars would not be possible. So thank you, patrons. Thank you for helping us out. And if you can afford to help us out, head to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All the music in tonight's show was from Buell Kazee. And the songs in order were If You Love Your Mother, Don't Forget Me Darling, and Little Bessie. We will end the show with his song called The Butcher Boy. All of the articles we read tonight were from the Reading Times, July 30th and 31st, 1925. If you'd like to contact us, if you have a story you think we should cover, or a story of your own you think we should hear about, go to strangefamiliars.com or you can email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com.
hold But found her hanging on a rope He took his knife and cut her down And in her bosom these words he found Oh, dig my grave, both wide and deep. Place a marble slab at my head and feet. And over my coffin, place a snow white dove to warm this world that I died for love. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.